0: Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. I am excited to get into today's lesson in devotional as we are on the third in a series of Christ, Our Healer. Christ, Our Healer. Now, the first two that we've gone over so far, they have really just been setting the table, setting the stage for really looking at this doctrine of Christ, Our Healer, as we've really been going and looking at this concept that God— created the world, and in that, in his creation, he did not create sin, of course. He didn't create sickness, which came with sin and disease. He didn't do any of that. In fact, then the second time that we looked at it is where did sickness, disease, death, all those things, where did it come from? It came from sin when sin entered the world, when man used his free moral agency and sinned against God. Now, now it was uh interestingly pointed out to me that you you know, you're looking at the doctrine of healing and you start in Genesis. Well, a lot of things start in Genesis, so I think that's pretty important. Uh, Uh, And maybe that's a little bit of a a strange approach, but we're going to continue with that strange approach, not by looking at uh, Genesis today, but we're going to be going to Exodus, Exodus chapter 15. And I'm really excited to get into this because this is really where we start to look and to see some practical steps for healing, also some more building of the doctrine of healing, and really the first time that God reveals himself as a healer, uh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer, and we're going to really see some important lessons here in Exodus chapter 15. So let's take a look at it here. We're going to read the whole chapter of Exodus chapter 15 for our scripture reading here this morning, but I do want you to pay attention specifically verses 22 through 27, through the end of the chapter there, but we're going to read the whole chapter, and it says this, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord, and they spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider, he is thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he is cast into the sea. He has chosen captains also are drowned into the Red Sea. The depths of excuse me, the depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces, and in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath; it consumed them like stubble. And you blast, in the, with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together; the floods stood upright like a heap; the depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, "I will pursue; I will overtake; I will divide the spoil." My desire. Shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead into the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. In your mercy, you have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. And then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as a stone. Till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the ho- horse of Pharaoh. Went with his chariots and his horsemen into the seas, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the tremble in her hand, and all the women went out after her with trembles and dances and with dances. And Miriam answered them, "Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider He has thrown into the sea." So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness, and they found no water. Now, when they had come to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elium. where they were, 12 where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, so they camped there by the waters. Now I, I'm sure that you probably were able to pick up a little bit of what was going on here in Exodus chapter 15. but this is right after God delivers the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he goes and he destroys Pharaoh and his armies as they'd come chasing after Israel. And there we see the Red Sea fell upon them and they are celebrating and they're remembering the great and mighty and awesome works that God just did for them. And they're like, this is awesome. And then they travel a few days and there's no water. There's no water. And then they come to this place called Mara, which means exceedingly bitter. And it's because the waters here were bitter. They they weren't something that you could drink. And the people, instead of remembering back to what God had just done in Egypt, how he had done all these mighty works, what do they do? They start complaining. They start complaining. That's, That's really the story here of God going and revealing himself as Jehovah Rapha, The Lord who heals, the Lord who heals, for I am the Lord who heals you. That's what it says here in verse 26 of Exodus chapter 15. The Lord who heals you, for I am the Lord who heals you. That is who God is. This is who God is. This is how he is revealing himself. This is part of his character. It, it is one of his names where we could go with El Shaddai. We could go with, uh, you, you know, just Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah uh, Shalom, Jehovah uh, Jirah. You could go with all of these different things. But here we see he goes and says, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. He is revealing himself to Israel as a healer, as a healer, the Lord who heals. And that word Rapha, it's used 67 times in the Old Testament, and it means to mend by stitching, to cure or to cause to heal, to repair or to thoroughly make whole. And that's who God is, is, that is what he's saying is, that's who he's revealing himself as, as he says, look, I want you to know me this way. I am the one who goes and mends you. I am the one who not just mends, but properly mends. I'm the one who comes and cures you or causes you to be healed. I'm the one who repairs you, who thoroughly makes you whole. That is who God is revealing himself to be, and this is who we should know God as. We should know him as the one who heals, the one who mends, the one who makes us thoroughly whole. Wouldn't that be cool if you recognize God in that way in your life, that he is the one who wants to to heal you. He wants to mend you. This is consistent with his character that we've looked at here the last two days, that he is the one who created everything and said that it was good, and it was absent of sin. It was absent of sickness. It was absent of disease. And then, where is sin, disease, sickness, death? Where does all of those things come from? Well, it doesn't come from God. It doesn't come from God. It comes from man's moral free agency and going and rejecting God and choosing to sin. And that sin that comes into the world is where we get sickness, disease, illness, and death. That's where we get that. And so he comes in, he says, look, I'm the one who creates good things. I'm the one who's the giver of life. I'm the one who's the author of life. I'm the one who's the sustainer of life. And I want you to know me in that way. So therefore, I'm going to reveal myself in such a way that I'm going to put you back together. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to thoroughly make you whole. Now, it's interesting here because there's that declaration of healing, but we also do see a healing that happens here. But this is the healing of the waters. And there's a principle in healing that we can draw from this, where we see this incredible feat that, that God goes and he does something incredible while he's testing the children of Israel to see, will you choose me or will you choose sin? And of course, unfortunately, they choose sin here. But where this story starts is that they haven't drank water for three days, right? They've been traveling. And then they come and they notice that they finally see water, they're excited, and then they go to the water and they're like, oh, you can't drink it, Oh! But then what do they do? They start complaining amongst themselves. They start complaining amongst themselves. And this is where we see an interesting principle and one that applies to our own healing, the healing. If you want healing in your life, you're going to need to understand this principle. You see, when they complained, nothing good happened. The waters didn't change the waters stayed bitter it was when moses cries to god that the waters get healed and you know if this is where you're at in your life that you're that you are approaching your sickness your illness whatever you're struggling with in your life in such a way that you're just complaining about it to others and you have yet to take it to god and cried out to god in order for healing I can tell you one thing here, you're not going to get healing. You're going to remain in that way. God is not going to move in such a way. He's not going to do a supernatural act in your life. He's not going to heal you because healing doesn't come through complaints. Healing comes through reaching out and crying out to God. What do we see in the complaints? First of all, it's horizontal. It's amongst one another. They're complaining to other men. They're going and seeking for the answer in men, in other people. It's a horizontal thing well, that's not where real healing comes from because that's not where Jehovah Rapha is. He's not there. They had to look up. They had to look up. And you, you need to look up today. You need to look up. If you need to be healed today, this is consistent with God's character. It's consistent with his design. And it certainly is in opposition to sin. So therefore, we can know that this is a good thing. And you need to look up to God. You need to cry out to him this indicates a desperation. This indicates a recognizing that there's only one healer. There's not 7,000 healers. There's not 50,000 healers. There's not even four healers. There is one healer, and his name is Jehovah Rapha. It is God. That's who it is. It's him and him alone. Look to God in desperation and cry out to God today. That's where you find healing not in complaining amongst other people, but turning your conversation and turning your attention towards God. But I want to spend the rest of the time here this morning looking at God's promise of healing, because this is really important. In verse 26, it says this, And he said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commands and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elium, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, and so they camped there in the waters. But we see here in verse 26 a promise of God's healing a promise of God's healing. In fact, he's going and saying, look, I'm going to keep these diseases away from you. And then he goes, he says, for I'm the Lord who heals. This is indicating two things. One, he's going to keep diseases away from them and he's going to go and heal them. If they are sick, he's going to come and bring that health into their life. That's the promise that's right here in God's word. But this promise was not unconditional. It was conditional. And it's a promise that we need to look at and that we need to go and to meet these conditions. If you want to see healing in your life, you need to meet these conditions because these are the conditions that God gave for health and for healing. First of all, we need to understand he is revealing who he is in this, and this is an important, an important purpose. God is revealing who he is, and he is not just Jehovah Rapha to Israel. Notice that that, that this is this is not who who God is only to some people. It's that this is who he is. We don't get to change our circumstances. Don't get to change who God is. Our circumstances, your circumstances, do not change who God is. So therefore, there's not an issue with God healing. There's an issue with us, maybe, but not with God healing. So let's look at these conditions. The first condition we see here is that in order to get God's healing, in order to activate this promise, it requires a heeding of God's voice a heeding of God's voice. Now, simply put here, in order to heed God's voice, there are two things that you need. One, you need to be listening for God's voice. Are you listening for God's voice today? Are you listening for what God is saying? You know, this is something that is incredibly important, that you're listening to the impulses of the Holy Spirit where is the Holy Spirit leading you? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? And then also, when looking at God's Word, we know that God always speaks through His Word. Are you listening for God's voice? Are you looking for the Holy Spirit's illumination while reading the Word of God? If you're not looking for those things, if you're just reading through to check mark a, a list and you're not actually stopping and saying, what is God saying to me? Well, you you can't activate this promise you must heed the voice of God. But then when you're heeding the voice of God, this also indicates that an action is going to take place, that obedience is going to follow. It's listening with the intention of obeying, not just listening, but listening with the intention of obeying. The second thing we see here is that it requires doing what is right in God's sight. You must do what is right in God's sight. You need to have the right actions, but these actions cannot be defined by you. They need to be defined by God as what is right. So, therefore, you can't go and say, you know, I think this is the right thing, so I'm going to go and do it. No, what you need to stop and do is to look at God's Word, no matter how difficult the thing might be. And sometimes it's difficult to do the right thing. Sometimes it's easier to compromise. Sometimes there, there is immediate rewards in compromising. But— We see that it's not doing what's right in your own eyes. It's not even what's doing what's right in somebody else's eyes. It's what's doing what is right in God's eyes. What does God say about this? What does God say about this? You need to go and to get your actions and your life right. The third thing that we see here is that it requires listening to his commands and keeping his statutes. Now, this is important to go and to look at. So the first one here we see is heeding God's voice. So you're listening for God's voice. What is God saying to do? And you're listening in such a way that you have an intention of obedience. The next one is, is that you're going to do what is right in God's sight. So you're asking, okay, what does God say to do in this situation? But the third thing is, is that you're listening to his commands and you're keeping his statutes. Now, this might seem like, well, isn't that just a repeating of those first two things? Well, in some ways it is a repeating, but in another way there's a whole new meaning to this one as well. See, in general it is, yeah, you're you're still going to be heeding, you're still going to be listening, you're still going to be doing. But when it comes to listening to his commands and keeping his statutes, there's something specific that God is getting at here. See, so many times People want to go into read Scripture, and they want to just find the promises of God. They want to find just the good part. Oh, look, right here. Here it is. Jesus loves me. God loves the world. I'm in the world. Wow. I love this verse. This is awesome. God loves me. And it is awesome that God loves you. That is awesome. Not trying to take anything away from that. But do you get excited about the things that God says, don't do this? Or, yes, go do that. Be tenderhearted, forgive one another. We like it when other people read that because we want to be forgiven, but do you want to go and forgive people? When it says, do not steal, when it says, do not lie, when it says, do not whatever it might be, do not covet, do you get excited about that? See, that's what this part of the verse here is saying is that you need to be listening to what God is commanding specifically. Look for the commands of God. Don't just look for the promises of God. Please do look for the promises of God when you're reading God's Word, but look for the commands of God. What is God telling you to do? And then it says, and keep his statutes. Now, what's the difference between a command and a statute? A command, if we were to go and to look at this here and continue on in the book of Exodus specifically, you would see Exodus chapter 20. We have the Ten Commandments, right? We call them commandments. The, the, the Ten Commandments right there. And we go and we look at those, those are commands. And then if you go and you read the the following chapters, you'll go and you'll see all these statutes. And, and some of them are, are just really expounding upon those commands. It's the little details about the command that God gave. What is God saying? Don't just listen to the commands and keep them in general. Diligently seek to completely follow what I have said. That's what he's getting at here. Look for the commands of God, And seek to follow them, not just in general, just to, you know, seize, get degrees kind of a way, close enough for government work type of a thing. No, go the extra mile. It's it's the concept here of, I, I remember... You, you know, many times in in basketball practice, specifically in junior high, I remember this. We were I, I was on a team that that was not the biggest and strongest team. In fact, we were probably the uh, maybe not necessarily the shortest team in our conference, but we were certainly the weakest team. In our conference, uh, just physical strength wise. And we were we were about a 500 team uh, w- when I was in junior high. But it was it was an interesting time because I remember being in practice and realizing that I was one of the only guys on my team who could probably do at least 20 pushups. Now, I could do more than that, but it was one of those things where we did not have guys who were just physically strong yet. And I remember doing pushups in in practice and you had guys who, as soon as the coach would turn their back, they would go and drop their knee so that they wouldn't be, you know, using the full weight right there. It'd make it easier. They'd go and maybe even put down both knees and then they're, you know, not really doing nearly the pushup there. And they would go and they would consistently do that every time. And I remember thinking, that's not good. That's not good. But that is the concept here, is that it's saying, don't go and drop your knees, because you could still say, Well, look, I'm still doing a a kind of a push-up. You could go and say, Well, look, you know, I, I'm still doing some push-ups, but no, it's saying keep the good form, go and do all the way, no matter how difficult the task might be, seek to follow even the detail of God's command. And then we have the promise, for I am the Lord who heals you. I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians. There will be a holding back of diseases in your life if you do these things, and there will be a health that comes, a healing that comes. It will be activating the promise of God. Now, There are going to be some who listen to this, and maybe you go and you disagree. You say, now hold on here, this is speaking just to Israel. Or maybe you go and you have somebody else listen to this, and they say, no, 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 this is speaking just to Israel. And it's true. The context is to Israel. There's no doubt about that. But I do want to remind you of 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You know, this is God revealing who He is. And he's giving general principles for a specific promise that is attached to his nature, to who he is. And either God is lying here to Israel, or he is still Jehovah Rapha today. And I don't think he lied. I don't believe that at all. I believe he is still Jehovah Rapha. And so while this promise is specific to Israel, the principles that lead to activating this promise are still ones that apply to you today, because otherwise this isn't a passage that is profitable for doctrine or any kind of teaching or reproof or correction or instruction in righteousness. But certainly, if you go and you heed God's voice, if you do what's right in God's sight, if you listen to his commands and you keep his statutes, that certainly is doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. And then there has to be a prophet. it tells you specifically what that prophet is, and that is the promise, the promise of healing, which is consistent with who God is. So today, heed God's voice do what's right in God's sight. Listen to his commands and keep his statutes so that you can activate the promise of God's healing in Well, thank you for listening today, and remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Even in darkness we hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting Will end in God's timing Sing like the battle